My name is David, and this is The Big Shut-In. So it's Sunday, April the 12th, and I personally have been in lockdown with my family now for 28 days. And my biggest emotion at the moment is probably frustration. Not really with my own situation. I'm, I'm okay. You know, we're got a little bit of cabin fever, but, but we're all right. We have what we need. We're safe. We're healthy. But frustration at the world and at the government and at the way this whole thing is being handled or not being handled, it's clear that massive lockdown, massive social distancing is absolutely necessary because this wasn't nipped in the bud. But it's also clear that in order for that to work, people are going to need a lot of help. People are going to need a lot of help financially. And the efforts that have happened so far really don't feel like sincere attempts to help a lot of people through this situation. They feel like empty gestures. They feel like a way to say, see, we did something. You know, I count myself very lucky that my wife and I are both able to keep working. And as frustrating and difficult as continuing to work has been, you know, our income has stayed relatively steady, knock on wood. Because I know so many people are not in that position. And a lot of those people who are struggling and hurting are reaching out for these life rafts that have supposedly been inflated by the government and finding them to be full of holes at best or non-existent at worst, just illusions, not really there. Either because applying for them is so impossibly complicated or difficult or because the eligibility requirements have been shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk until the actual pool of people who could collect this help is whittled down to almost nothing. I talked today to my friend Matt, and Matt is a videographer and someone I have worked with professionally quite a lot over the last couple of years. He's one of my go-to people to hire when I need a videographer, which is pretty often. And he's a very smart, very conscientious, very hardworking guy who happens to have chosen a career path that is, that will always be freelance work. That's the nature of the beast. Even people who shoot Hollywood movies are gig-to-gig -gig freelancers. And this is a really difficult position for him because he's literally not allowed to practice his trade. He can't leave the apartment. All of the events he would normally be shooting are canceled. And so it was really interesting to hear his firsthand account of what it's like to desperately reach out and try to access this largely mythical safety net that's been deployed. It's an experience that's been frustrating on a lot of levels, but I'll shut up and let him tell you about it. Here's Matt. So how you doing? Uh, what day is it? Um, <laughs> the days even exist. It's Easter it's Sunday, actually. It it's is. Easter Sunday. It, you know what? Uh, it took 
a good minute to figure that out this morning. I turned to my partner and I said, hey, it's Easter. Are you going to call your family? And, and she's like, is it? Is it Easter? I'm like, yeah, it's Easter. <sighs> so you're, you're shut in together, at least. That's something. The two of you? Yes. Um, I have a romantic partner. Uh, we don't live together, but she has two roommates, um, both of which are out of town um, nesting with family right now. Oh, nice. Well, so, I mean, you live together at the moment for the foreseeable future. We we call ourselves Corona Married or <laughs> Corona Buddied. Um, uh, I also call it Corona Nesting as well. Uh, well, that's, I mean, that's nice. I mean, it's good to not, I mean, I, the people I worry about the most at the moment are the ones who are totally alone. Um, I think would be a really difficult situation. It's, it's been nice because... People do check in with each other, uh, and I still have friends and family that will check in on each other. Um, and especially, I've had three ex-girlfriends contact me in the last three days just to see, hey, how are you? Because they live in Chicago and L.A., and according to them, New York's on fire, basically. So I have a lot of people <laughs> from my past being like, hey, just checking to see if you're alive. But yeah, it's real. They're, they're not wrong about New York being on fire. I mean, yeah, no, they're, they're not, but I can only imagine what it looks like from the outside. Well, what's it look like from your inside? What, what's going on with you at the moment? Uh, well, the big thing is the unemployment. Um, that has everyone kind of thrown for loops right now. I don't, it's, it's different for me because I'm self-employed. So the system isn't set up for the self-employed. And then when it does, become available to us, we enter it when the system is already crashing on overload. I didn't jump on it right away. I, I knew like any system, there were going to be kinks the first day. So I, I waited two days after this news was made, just, you know, for the first couple waves of people, they encounter all the bugs and then hopefully the UX is fixed and, and then maybe I'll, I'll slide through, I'll glide through. <laughs> I was, I was a little naive in my optimism. Um, How long ago was I, that? I'm sorry. How long ago was that? that I the, the applied unemployment... on April 1st, which seems like five years ago. Um, but knowing it's only April 12th, it's like, oh, it was only April 1st. But you know, when time stands still, it seems different. It's like standing next to a black hole, right? Like relativity is different. Time moves differently. <laughs> the closer you get to absolute catastrophe, the slower it yeah. goes. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I feel like it's Einstein's relativity at work here. It's, time's move, moving differently depending on where you're standing. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I applied on April 1st. First, what I had to do was I, I filled out this application online. And I, I spent all afternoon doing it because it crashed several times because we have now several million people all at once on this one website. And I, I went through it and then I had an extended application because I indicated um, that there was contract work involved. So that opened up another side to the portal and I filled it out and then it crashed and I had to do it a couple more times. And then at the end of the whole application, it said that I, I had to call this toll-free number, the Department of Labor, New York State. And I, I knew I was in trouble because I had already heard rumors of what a nightmare it was. Um, 
I stepped away from my computer. I said, I'll, I'll tackle this with a fresh mind in the morning because I knew it was going to be a lot to swallow. And the next day, I, I started calling. I'd get busy signal after busy signal after busy signal. And then I, I started doing little math games with how many times I was calling. I, I figured out that first thing in the morning, one out of every 100 calls, I got past the busy signal to this prompt that led you through uh, a series of questions. Um, first, you, you, know, you memorize which number on the dial pad to press to bypass certain menus, and then you enter in your social security number, and then the PIN that you created from the website the previous day on the online portion. And after memorizing that script, how many hundreds of times, I, I figured out like, oh, okay, in the morning, one out of every hundred times, I'm able to get past the busy signal to this prompt. But then at the end of the prompt, it says the lines are full. You'll have to call back later after going through this prompt for four minutes. You said at one out of every hundred times you'd get through? Yes, in the morning. That's not an exaggeration? It's not an exaggeration at all. So how many times were you calling? I I stopped calling around 3,500 times. 3,500 times in one day? Uh, over the course, I called on average, um, I called, I, I spent four days on the phone. So 1,000 times a day, give or take, 800 times a day. Yeah, about 800 times a day. There was one day, the very, very first Sunday that they, they extended hours. Uh, I was able to get to that prompt about one out of every five calls because nobody knew, not nobody, but relatively nobody knew that they just had open hours on Sunday at their call center. And some people knew because there's, there's Facebook groups now. There's one called Help Us NYS Unemployment Issues where you get this hive mind of information about little tips and tricks to try to get past all the prompts. To, to try to get your application through. And everyone, of course, has an opinion about everything because it's the internet, right? But because of groups like this and other hive minds, like people knew that first Sunday when, when that call center opened um, on extended hours, that there were still thousands and thousands of people throughout the state calling at the exact same time. I was able to get past the busy signals more often, but I was never able to get past that prompt where I had to enter in my social security number and PIN. I never got through. Wow. So you've not officially applied for unemployment yet? My application is pending. Uh, what happened the other day, just the other day, two days ago, um, the Department of Labor partnered with Google to streamline their website and to bring it into the 21st century. For anyone new that's applying, they don't have to call to verify their application that they just submitted over the internet. I just got a phone and a robocall yesterday because of this new system um, in the last 72 hours saying they received the application and do not give out any personal information over the phone to anyone who asks for it because now the state is dealing with scammers calling huh. random numbers and saying, Hey, 
your unemployment insurance went through. I just want to call to verify your social security number. This is after you keyed in your social security number, however many dozens of times over the course. Yeah, of I mean, it feels week. like my information is already out there for <laughs> people who want it. But now strangers are calling New Yorkers and chances are they're going to find someone who did put in an unemployment application pretty easily and scam them into handing over their social security number over the phone. Now we have to watch out for that too. On top of that all. I, yeah. Just the sharks circling in all of these things has been just, you know, humanity is just really not a wonderful animal. Um, Yeah. I mean, people have described it as like, you you go out to the grocery store and you're kind of dancing around landmines. You know, people coughing around corners and and brushing up against you. And and now people are afraid of of being physically near people. And then you have the digital world of landmines. You have these applications. You have people taking advantage of these desperate situations that other people find themselves in to hand over their social security number, that kind of thing. So it's either in the the outside world or the digital world, it's, it's landmines all around us. So you finally have a pending, officially pending application. Do you have any um, confidence that that's going to be approved and you're going to receive something? It's hard to tell because they've, the state, they're hiring new people in mass. And what's happening now is when people are calling to confirm their either online application or the claims they've already made or something like that. They're getting conflicting information from the technicians over the phone because so many people now are so quickly trained at the Department of Labor that wrong information is being sent out or claims are being denied that shouldn't be denied or maybe claims are being accepted that shouldn't be accepted. You just you hope that when you call and and things go through that things are done correctly, even if it's of no fault to your own, because the likelihood of, of somebody on their end screwing something up is a lot higher. They're all new, all quickly trained, and and kind of winging it themselves. But I've heard they they're very compassionate though. Um, I've heard they're compassionate over the phone. I mean, it's a whole other nightmare bureaucracy that everyone's having difficulty navigating but Mm -hmm. sitting as you do on that beautiful gig economy gray area between being a freelancer and being a company do you have you looked at the the sba paycheck protection stuff and seen if there's something some way for you to sneak in there Um, well you have to be careful because the pua you need to apply for that after being rejected from unemployment insurance so but also I'm a corporation at the same time. So there are other SBA type loans that I've applied for, um, but I haven't heard back from any of them. I, I've applied for SBA stuff. I've applied for uh, different grants that were put together for artists and, and people that work in nonprofits, something else that I might um, have access to. Uh, Andrew Yang's program that he set up. Um, other foundations. It feels like, you know, the 2008 crash all over again, where a hundred people are in line for one barista job and you're just sending in an application and it feels again, like you're throwing something into a black hole. 
I, I granted there's a lot of black hole metaphors tonight, but that's <laughs> that's the way it's it's feeling. It's like you're you're throwing something away. Um, so I'm I'm uh, pessimistically optimistic or optimistically cautious or it's it, 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 any word exchange doesn't quite describe the sort of emotional drainage that's happening. So, I mean, to get into the nitty gritty, then what are you, what are you living on at the moment? Um, you know, I, someone asked me that just yesterday and tough because there's a lot of shame built into that kind of question. And there's a lot of shaming going around being like, well, why don't you have an emergency saving? I hope you don't think I meant it that way. Cause I surely no, didn't. No, 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 that you did, but that's in the larger collective. That's, that's what's being said. That's what's being said over the internet. That's what people are, are talking about. It's like, okay, there's an emergency. Where is your emergency savings? By Why trolls and morons. Because if big, I mean, big companies don't apparently have, they're all, you know, the largest companies in the country are laying people off because they are apparently also living month to month. So yeah. it's ridiculous to anybody, for anybody to be shaming anybody about financial difficulty and all of this. I just want to go on record right now of saying that's not where this is coming from. I really am just curious, you know, as your as your friend and collaborator, you know what are you okay like yeah i it's tough well this was the point that i was getting at is that i i did have an open line of credit and i i did have some emergency padding and i used it in 2019 so i had a job that i got fired from by no fault of my own it was sort of a political uh, layoff. And then I lost my apartment at the same time. So I didn't have a job and I was scrambling around finding an apartment in New York city, which is also an expensive task. So I totally blew through a whole line of credit and the savings that I had. And I mapped it out around the new year. Okay. This is how I'm going to repay it. This is how I'm going to clear out that credit line. And I had all this work lined up throughout all of 2020, and I was going to get that line of credit back. And I was doing really well. I did so well in January. I, I beat my expectations. I did well in February, got a couple retainers, um, and deposited for other projects later in the year, and then this hit. And it was just, it was the worst timing because if this thing happened a year before, or a year after, I would have been fine. But there's no good timing for this, but it was just particularly bad timing. And it, it just it made me feel dumb. It, it made me feel like I wasn't an adult and that I, I should have done better to plan for something like this. And it's embarrassing, really. It's, it's, it's embarrassing to even think about or, or talk about, but... Um, I've gotten by so far with having to borrow money and some of them are people I barely know. Um, so until unemployment insurance comes through, if it ever comes through, 
I've I've had to borrow money from people I barely know. And thank God for them. They're they're good people. They're people with real empathy and uh, a heart. So that's what I've lived off of so far. Have you had any word about this mythical $1,200 check from Donald Trump? You know, um, the funny thing is about being self-employed is that you do not get a refund check after every tax. You owe the government money. And because of that, my direct deposit information is not on file with the IRS. So if there is a check, it's not coming for at least another 20 weeks. 20 weeks. Do you love that? Yeah, because they have to send me a paper check. Yeah. I, well, man, listen, I'm, for what it's worth, I don't think you have anything to be embarrassed about, you know, you're in a, you're in a business of, you're in an hanging on by the fingernails kind of field. And and any, I think everybody at every level in, in, in what we do is always hanging on by their fingernails. You know, even the ones who seem from the outside to be very successful. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Did you pay rent in April? You know, there's been a lot of argument from people around me of whether or not I should have. And I paid rent. And people asked why I didn't try negotiating with my landlord. And a lot of it was out of fear. Um, Like any New Yorker, I had to exaggerate my cash flow in order to get this apartment. So if my landlord found out that I didn't have any emergency savings, I felt like it would be less likely I'd get to re-sign the lease in August. And now with the potential of my credit score being shot out of the sky by this pandemic, I couldn't risk not re-signing my lease. So it was, you know, out of fear that I, I had to pay rent. So I, I found the money and I paid it. But I don't, I'm unsure of, what's going to happen next month. So, but next month is five years from now. So who knows? Um, yeah. You know, 18 days as <laughs> the case may be. Um, any good news? You know, um, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> any good news? You know, I feel like despite everything, uh, I still consider myself to be lucky because there are people out there that need a safety net and they're relying on a system that's being held up with scotch tape and a little bit of glue. People much, much more, more vulnerable than myself. So I feel pretty okay. Um, I have anxiety and depression. I take medication for it. I've, gotten up out of the morning and continued trying to pave my own way through this mess. I know people that just last month had their first child, just bought a house in New Jersey. Um, I know people that had their first miscarriage this month who are in a particularly emotionally vulnerable place. So everybody is different and I could always say that for me personally, the situation that I could be in could be much worse. And maybe my situation would be worse for somebody else. But, 
you know, it's, it just happened to be at the right intersection of being this logistical mess <laughs> compared to my own emotional profile where I could handle it. Um, I can handle it. I can handle it so far. I, I tell, I joke with people that, you know, I was a Peace Corps volunteer <laughs> and, uh, you know, in Peace Corps, like, you know, we <laughs> had to deal with bureaucratic messes all the time. Uh, we were always short on food. We relied on expats for free drinks. <laughs> um, and then the laundromats around my neighborhood closed. And I'm like, you know what? I might have to start washing my clothes in a bucket like I did in Peace Corps. So I almost felt like those two years prepared me for this situation. I, I wish I had some really good news, like something really amazing, like helpful to share with you. But Yeah, you know what? The, I think the silver lining is that the system is a mess. And this pandemic has really highlighted the vulnerabilities and pitfalls in the system. But the system might be a mess, but New Yorkers, I feel, are coming together on this. And I feel it. And there's been no anger or aggression or animosity towards fellow New Yorkers. You know, when I'm talking to my clients and when they're talking to me, we're like, yeah, this sucks, but we're going to get through it together. And um, I think that that is the silver lining in the situation where people's true colors are being shown out in the public. And for the most part, it's all very positive. Thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate it. I know, you know, like you said, that's some stuff you're embarrassed about sharing, but I appreciate you sharing it. No, I, I think the only way that we can reflect is sometimes be a little bit vulnerable with each other. That's, that's how we grow. So my pleasure. My name is David Hoffman, and this is The Big Shut-In, a production of Race Car Radio. If you have feedback for me or have a story that you'd like to share, you can reach out to me at thebigshutin at racecarradio.com.